Hello, friend, and welcome to the Mr. Robot After Show here at AfterBuzz TV. It is Season 2, Episode 4, and we are going to talk about all of it. We're going to talk about Elliot, Darlene, Mr. Robot, Elliot again. <laughs> White Rose was here. Stick with us. You're tuning into the destination for TV superfan discussion, AfterBuzz TV. And now, let the buzz begin. Yes. Thank you so much, everyone, for joining us here. Doesn't it feel you're like you're coming into your again. own right now, the season, just by listening to the beautiful, melodic tones of, about it. of Gustav Holtz for us, <laughs> our fans at home? Thank you, Stephen, <laughs> our engineer who let us know yes. who's I know the composer. Who it is. Good job, Stephen. Hello, thank you all for joining us here at the AfterBuzz TV Mr. Robot After Show. I'm Steve Kaufman, your host. You can find me at Steve Kaufman. That is K A U F M A N M. Hey guys, welcome back. We're here for another great episode. I'm Ashley. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter, Ashley underscore Chapman. Let's get it popping tonight. Steve, I gotta say, your voice is very velvety than mine, man. It was, <laughs> I, I, was, I was trying out a new thing. Where, like a little bit of like well, Twilight Zone a little bit. Well, Tweet, you are now entering into the Mr. Robot. Believe me if you will. Uh, <laughs> welcome to the Quiet Very Storm Rod here Sterling. at AfterBuzz TV. I'm J.C. Rubio. And... <laughs> That is Jupiter by Gustav Holtz as well. See, we're we're giving him this so much, so much shine right now. Energy, yes. Make sure to follow me at JC Rubio TV all across the board and take it away, Stephen. Um, we're gonna jump right in, Elliot, Darlene. We got a flashback. I, I first off, I want to say I hope we're gonna get more than a one week flashback because what I do want to see is what she referenced last season, which is oh no, not again. Yeah, correct. I want him to forget that that's his sister. Again, and I want to see it within the, within the context of the same flashback we're just seeing. That's if she sticks around. Yeah, I true. Said it. Shots fired. Um, just yeah. Let's just go back. That scene itself. Yeah. A season and a half we've waited for this. Yeah. We're getting some answers, some deep, deep answers, and the beauty of this episode. I think it was personally for me. I, last week, I know I always say, "Oh, this is the best episode ever." I had a hard time with last week's episode. Mm-hmm. Just for maybe it's just because it was so much was down, so much was given to us, and to make sense of it. And this week, just about the same amount of content, but it was beautifully mastered. I thought we went outside of just Elliot and Mr. Robot. We found yeah. out more, you know, Darlene, Cisco, mm-hmm. just everyone in general. And mm-hmm. I had as much fun listening to everyone else's story develop, as well as at Edward, 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 all, yeah. all and Mr. Robot <laughs> yeah. and Elliot. So. I love this episode. I think this episode is, I think a lot of fans have been waiting for it. Yeah. You know, he's he's been in the pits of hell, and mm. now he's out. Well, this he's is coming the, out. And this is also like the Expanse episode. Yeah, exactly. Like the two, really three episodes we've encountered up until now have been very much Elliot in his own box. We're not sure what happened. We're really just working with whatever we have, and we don't have much. This is the episode where it's like, nope, here's White Rose. Here's the thing. Yeah. Tyrell might be alive. Something's wrong with the severance package. And, and just a lot more character development, you know what I mean? Which is great, because in a show like this, I mean, when you can easily focus on, like, one or two characters, and that's just enough in mm. and of itself. But it's nice to be able to kind of take a step back and sort of see how all of these players are connecting and how they all play a huge role in the story. So, yeah, I really love this episode. I thought that so many of the scenes were beautifully shot. I loved a lot of the messages. I loved, you know, some of the commentary that he did. I mean, once again, I mean, every single episode is like a commentary on life, mm. on our society, on our culture. And I just thought it, it all came together beautifully. And, and it wasn't like it was, you know too little of of one's particular story or of one particular character developing and or we're seeing them in arc but it was just it was very it was separated very well and i think that sam asimo did a great job with this well, episode even think of it this way what's going on currently with the let's say the dnc hack mm-hmm. and things like that there's blaming russia and they're saying well maybe not just not maybe it's yeah. not possible yeah. mm-hmm. but the same thing's happening here so it's yeah. so funny the sh- once the again the show is yeah. timely yeah, so. Very timely, because we're in a place... I, I was actually just watching a documentary about how the Sony hack wasn't actually... Like, there's a good chance it wasn't actually North Korea, which is something we all should have thought. Was it the Vice yeah. Line? It was the Vice Line one. Yeah, definitely. Um, Cyber War. Yep. The, yeah. Fantastic. Um, but to jump in, we got to finally see Elliot Darlene flashback. The introduction of The Mask, which was on a short film called The... Massacre of the... There's the, the careful massacre, careful massacre of, of the, the bourgeoisie. bourgeoisie. I saw it. 
It's it's up now. I'm going to watch it immediately after this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's the introduction of the Mr. Robot mask, which she said she found at a dollar store for 99 cents. Which is funny, because if you go in the NBC Universal store, it is $12.99. Yeah, what's up with that, NBC? Just putting that out there. And I couldn't find your street team at Comic-Con to just give me one. (laughs) I got a t-shirt, got to do the VR. I love that you touched upon Comic-Con. You were there. I was there. Okay, tell us what what happened. Um, Comic-Con had two installations for... Well, yes, Comic-Con had two installations, a panel and a press room for Mr. Robot. The insta- the first installation was in was outside, but it was in a store, and they had recreated the Mr. Robot computer repair store. Oh, cool! Uh, that one was like a three to f- like that was probably about a two to five hour wait. Oh my god! Which Saturday morning I had time, and I was waiting in line. And before I waited in line, I had gotten a I'd gotten a sample of Soylent, and I was like, oh, I'm gonna drink this in the line for the Mr. Robot thing. I'm in the back of the line. They told me, like, it's going to be about two, two and a half hour wait. And I was like, that's not bad. I'm going to do this. I drink the soil. I take two sips of the soil. And I was like, you need to throw this out. This is terrible. (laughs) I walk across the street to throw it out. Do you want to know what's right next to, do you want to know who pulls up to me right next to that trash can? Elliot. A Mr. Robot van. I saw the. There are are ten of them in the entire city of San Diego during San Diego Comic-Con. And you can go on Uber and order them. While they're available, what? and then they'll take you to a parking lot, and you can do the exact same VR experience that's in the two and a half hour line I just stepped out of. Ah. Oh my gosh! It's well known that my day job involves a lot of dealing with Uber and Lyft and rideshare services, so I was well aware that this guy had just gotten offline, and that if I hung out right next to him while <laughs> requesting it, I'd yeah. be next in line when he actually when he actually went back online. So I was with instead of a two and a half hour wait, it was about a ten minute wait. Oh my gosh. Oh, thanks incredible. to Soylent. Thank you, Soylent. Thank you, Soylent. Tastes like something. You know, I forgot. <laughs> shout out to the fans also that are watching. Everyone yes. is chiming in. And please, you know, let us know your theories as well because we're really breaking it down. We've got so much stuff. We've got, let's see, uh, people are saying they jumped when the title card came yeah. out. Which, yeah. Okay, who didn't jump after that title card? I jumped on that title card. <laughs> that was a shocking title card. That was probably the most shocking title card of the series. And we brought that up before we started the show that Esmail had, uh, Sam Esmail had tweeted that this was going to be his favorite episode for music mm. out of the whole series so far. So a lot of people are wondering you know, if it's yeah. going to be um, who's knocking at the door and it would be, be like minute work. Who can it be now? <laughs> there are all these theories, but yeah. alas, it wasn't who we thought. You of know, course yeah. not. It's never who you think. It's always... And it wasn't the knock that we're expecting. Yeah. It, no. no, it wasn't. Exactly. It ended up being a flashback, which was great because I don't think we've had a chance to really see the two of them interact knowing that they're brother and sister yes. and the two of them both knowing that they're brother and sister. So it was really great to kind of get that that interaction because at the beginning of the season, I felt like they had a very different relationship dynamic. And obviously, as as viewers, we, we got that sense, too, because we weren't supposed to know the secret at that point. Hmm. Um, but just seeing them interact with each other, um, you know, in that scene and kind of getting their history and their backstory, like, they're really pretty much all each other has. Like, they've come from a really twisted, you know, kind of, like, crazy background. And they just rely so much on each other. And it's like a quiet understanding that they have with each other that... You're pretty much all I've got, and I'm pretty much all you've got, you know? And season, and then that makes me question, because in season one, Angela was accusing Darlene, you know, you were a sister that was never around, mm-hmm. that you came mm. came back all of a sudden. But when we see this flashback, I'm like, well, they seemed very, very, you know, brother and sister. They yeah. Were, um, I'd cite the unreliable narrator. I'd c- cite the unreliable narrator at that point. Thank you. I think that's, it's going to be, to a certain extent, especially tiny stuff like that, he can get away with just like... Nope, that's what he said then. That's how he felt then. He had True. this revelation in se- he had this revelation in the middle of season t- season one that it's a sister and all that, and then there's a sister, and then he forgot about it. That we can get back to, we can get back to. Um, I was really excited to see how he became Mr. Robot by wearing the mask. Yeah. That the mask is literally. We talked a lot last time I was here about like putting yourself in a box, putting yourself in a prison. Mm-hmm. The mask is kind of his for lack of a better word, prison, mm-hmm. but it's his mask because yeah. everyone wears a mask and that's literally the mask he wears, which is just another side of himself, another person that he is. But I thought it was the mask and the jacket too, collectively. Yeah, really you could see put it. him into mm-hmm. the, the mindset of Mr. Robot that he created. So is that the impetus right there, that moment, that's when he, Mr. Robot, came to be? Visually, that's what they told yeah. us. 
visually, I'd, 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 I'd be hard pressed to. Th- I, I would like to see the moment where it's more visually clear than that. That yeah. he put on the mask and he started talking about corporate greed and a little straight up like communist, socialist, anarchist yeah. things of just like corporations should fail and everybody, you know. And this well, is how we take them down. You lose trust in them, and then there's anarchy. Then there's communism. Would you say that, or is it just basically he's trying to rear back capitalism? Capitalism gone amok. Where it's a corporate. What is it? Corporatocracy. Oligar- oligarchy. I mean, oligarchy. As oligarchy, well. which is what they were talking about in that short film, right? Which is just that it's a statement on in America. There in America, one of the, the American dream is that there's no class. The American lie is that there's no class. There's a class system in every society. The American problem is that we don't acknowledge it yeah and i think that's what everyone talks about when they talk like communist and socialist and like leftist ideals when in reality it's actually very when in reality what they're talking about is that like no none of you acknowledge that a person from a certain socioeconomic class has no chance or has a very slim chance in america and you sell them a lie. You sell them a lie that, well, no, we shouldn't tax the rich because one day you're going to be rich. Yeah. I think what I read recently was that all Americans think they're just inconvenienced millionaires. <laughs> and that, Is so that, that what I am? Thank we you. All, well, no, I am. Yeah. Most okay. Americans <laughs> need to fall into their club. Me, I'm an inconvenienced millionaire. Thank you. But there's a certain way that when you look inward, instead of trying to just deal with your problems day to day, that yeah. you will always feel like there's an invisible hand and all the thing, all the greater themes we see in this show mm-hmm. that were that you'll always be able to blame outward. Yeah. Although when you blame outward, but then you take action, that's what we're getting with that society. Yes. And it's not necessarily wrong. Yeah, really interesting. Just. And I like the scene specifically because it didn't seem like too over the top or too over dramatic. Like when people sort of have split personalities, you know, there's a lot of ways that you can visualize it. So it wasn't like he was shaking and then all of a sudden, you know, we see a spirit or something go into him. It was just, I think, a confidence. It was something that was always in yeah. him, but it was a confidence that was instilled in him. And I think that they probably had those conversations before, but they weren't as serious. Mm. And he definitely didn't, you know, have as much of a realization of of okay we can actually make this a plan and we can actually do this um so yeah i thought that 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 was great that they actually show that because i think that's important for us to sort of see you know how he got to this particular point i'm sure there's even more to the backstory behind that but just sort of seeing him really be in a just a space that i don't think we we experience him in mm-hmm. a lot we don't and, really get to see him in that that confidence and i also i also think from like a psychological standpoint the textbook would tell us that if you were a more or less normal or well-adjusted person that change that happened in Elliot would happen more cognitively Mm -hmm. where it's like actually I feel this way and this is what we should be doing but you're still doing it as you Mm -hmm. and there's no blackout there's no lost time there's no whereas with Elliot the way his brain is coping with both this idea and problem is that it's just, it's you're just a different person. Mm-hmm. He blacks out. He yeah. loses three days. Um, one thing I was going to say, do you think also that Darlene is kind of the catalyst in a sense? Because she wanted more memories about her father, and that's what inspired him to go get the jacket. And then the subtext behind it, it started, you know, they were t- what they were talking about with you mm-hmm. know, Darlene and, with, and he losing his job at InfoSec, and, and it all came like the perfect storm. Once he donned the jacket, he'd had, he's been thinking about this. This yeah. has been fostered. I'd, I'd be interested to see if this is all Darlene kind of pulling the strings, if you will. I don't quite feel that way, but I wouldn't be surprised if we find out later that this has been Darlene kind of taking advantage of her brother's mental problem, but mm-hmm. his ability his ability to both become another person who could rally everyone around, but also his ability to code and actually yeah. and actually lead this revolution. That I wouldn't be surprised if we find out later that Darlene is the mastermind, like this is what I want, but my my how is I have to manipulate my brother. Into feel into essentially being my father. I don't think that that was her original intention, but I think once she saw the possibilities mm. and she saw what he became and how he was able to take charge and really create this incredible, powerful movement, then I think that now, I mean, especially now that you know, we'll get into it a little bit, but now that they're they're feeling like they're kind of under the heat with the FBI, 
I think that now even more so she feels like she needs to take more advantage of that <laughs> and like tap into that yeah. even more because that's ultimately what's going to get their asses out of hot water, you know. And I think that's what he's acknowledging too. Yeah. It's, it, yeah. And it's funny that we are devoting so much time to Darlene and I think that's that's a breath of fresh air, I think. You know, mm-hmm. overall we're always talking about Elliot or, you know, or Angela, Angela's yeah. arc now that we're getting into Darlene. Yeah. So. Beyond just... Beyond just like who is she? Why that's right. her sister? Yeah. We don't know anything about that's his sister. We don't know anything about her. I do to get into Darlene. She's finally reconnects with Cisco, right? Yeah, um, who has a contact with the Dark Army. The Dark Army isn't behind Romero's murder, but yeah. they have a feeling the FBI has a track on everybody. Yeah. I'll, I'll ask it point blank: Do we think the FBI has a track on all the F Society people? Because I feel like we know they don't. Unless it's beyond the F- beyond the FBI, or else they would have already been at yeah. F Society. They would have been at the Funhouse. They would have already been at Coney Island. Mm-hmm. But I I give credence to Dark Army's theory, but it, that it's not the FBI. That there's, for lack of a better term, like a ruling class above. There's a ruling class above the people who are at the FBI. That Philip Price is talking. Philip Price and White Rose and everyone. Mm-hmm. And they're tracking everyone at F Society, and they are well aware that F Society did this, and they're tracking them because they're the ones who actually control. Yes, yeah, part of the plan. It's, whereas it's FBI's job to kind of play cop, to play cop and try to investigate. And maybe the FBI will just take them down all on their own. It looks like they're going to try. Whereas in reality, I think, I think it's not just the. I feel like he wouldn't be showing up. He wouldn't be showing us like, oh, they found the, they found the arcade, and they're like this far behind. Unless they were showing us, like, no, it's not actually the FBI. It's everything else. Well, we'll get there. Yeah, we'll that, it's, that it's the people above the FBI that we don't quite understand yet. It's that it's that scene at the very end of season one where we're like, who are these people in this room? What do they yeah. represent? Are we talking about Price? Yeah, Price, okay, White okay. Rose. Like, yeah, I would call I'll that hold. the ruling class, the secret sure. ruling class in this, wor- in this world that he's created. Yeah, and, and and we'll get there, you know, because I I, I do think there's some more hands at play, and definitely course. with White Rose and whatnot. But I'm going to hold off. Of course, because we're Darlene, we're still on Darlene. It's yeah, her, it's her time. I was really excited to see that, like, to really just see the scene of she's just like I'm really effed up. Just mm-hmm. let me be effed up, like someone who actually understands their emotions. It's nice to hear in a in a TV show. Yeah, that's yeah. just like I just want to sit here and be upset. Can I do that? And then we'll bang in the bathroom. <laughs> And what is it with the paranoia? Because I watched the show. She was followed. She is it paranoia or is she really being followed? I think that's what they're trying to instill in all of us. Well, there were different people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and there are a lot of little signs if you go on the you know all the little fan theories, the Reddit boards, and whatnot, and that it doesn't look good for Darlene. That a lot of things are going on here. Let's say go back to the when she took the picture of the movie they were watching, the careful mm-hmm. massacre. Mm-hmm. She Instagrammed that. Yeah. That could be traced. And Dom was talking about we're going to find everyone's social media. Do we think that she has an Instagram with her actual name? It's not like Facebook. You can just come up with an Instagram that's like Rurubu12 and then post whatever you want. But remember, this picture was taken a long, long time, time yeah. ago. And I'm sure, it's already, I'm sure she deleted it and took it off. But they hold on to that kind of stuff. But, but the, the picture didn't have the mask in it, correct? But it, it has a movie. The- True, I, but you, I don't, you never I don't know. think people would... I mean, I, I personally... Dominic would figure this out. Yeah. Would she? Okay. I think she That's would. That's why they said that. We're going to look at all their social media, yeah. things like that. And you or see, that if it's hashtag F Society, and then... It, actually, this is a good point. If in that flashback, she actually tweeted... She actually Instagrammed that photo, mm-hmm. and it was hashtag F Society, and that would be like one of the first references Half to hashtag, hashtag F Society. yeah. yeah. That, oh, that seems too simple. Yeah. That seems way too simple. Yeah, I don't know if it was simple. I mean, think about it. At first, you guys thought, you're crazy? No. no. But if you search a little deeper. I, I mean, think about it. Since this hack has happened, they were talking about there's been hundreds of parties, people wearing these masks all over the city. So, I mean, at this point, there are probably thousands of pictures all over social media with the hashtag F Society. So to narrow it down to the people who are actually involved, that's going to have to be some really deep investigation. But s- Steve hits a point that... She was the first one to probably hashtag F Society. If she did, we didn't if she see did. her do if that. If she did, yeah. You or never... anything that would relate to the bourgeoisie movie that would relate right. to the first appearance of that mask. 
I mean, they had a total of a three seaters as they were watching the movie. Mm, but true. and here's a, a cool little like for fan. Of course, I have no life, and I I pause every moment, every second of the show as they were queuing up the movie. You know, they looked at his fi- Elliot's files, mm-hmm. and next to the massacre there was Comet, which is Sam Esmail's movie. Oh, I love that. Yeah, that's perfect. So many little little mind blowing moments out of so it. So Sam Esmail's okay with us pirating his stuff. That's confirmed. <laughs> okay, it's totally confirmed. Nice. Right? That's no, probably not. Please confirmed. don't come after us anonymous, please. <laughs> yeah, no lie. Um, I think we're good with Darlene, Cisco. We can move on to Angela. Oh, man. this Because is... Angela kind of left... We got left on like a pretty big cliffhanger with Angela yeah. last week of like, will she or won't she turn these guys in? Mm-hmm. And what I loved what Sam Asimov did this week is just, we didn't watch her mull it over. Yeah. We it didn't watch yeah, her like think about it all off. week. We It's... You just literally see... I don't know what that was. You literally see... <laughs> it's a point. <laughs> You literally just see a news report like, yep, those guys are arrested. Mm-hmm. Their lives are ruined. And then her and in a bar talking the to yeah. then her in the bar talking to the lawyer, like, here's why I did this. Mm-hmm. And it was so well done. Yeah. Cause a lesser show would have spent a whole week, if not two, on her mulling over such a decision. It's mm-hmm. funny you're talking about that scene with the lawyer and Angela and bringing down the senior VP and the and the operations manager. I forget his mm-hmm. other position. She and Angela was angry at her lawyer because the the lawyer jumped too quickly, mm. and that's just going into F- Philip Price is just luring her in. Yeah, and this is the whole you know, Angela think Angela's getting some confidence, some strength, but this is just Philip's been around for so long. This is part of he the game. The, this yeah, is literally he he's, he's just bringing it's, it's just cheese. He's just giving yeah. her cheese right now because he wants to, like she says she, she has a key of something. What is that key? I know, but that's interesting though that we we find that out that that the real reason why she was brought into you know E Corp in the begin in the first place was because she does hold an important key, and I was still trying to figure out like exactly. And so was she, and she thought she figured it is. out, and she yeah. realized she doesn't know. Yeah, the contingency was nothing. The third party that they were you know they were looking that she that a clause saying stating that if they got to pick the third party, I I got lost there. Yeah, well, it, yeah. It, it's. I think that was my intention. That it was a rather, it was a, it was a seemingly innocuous part of the contract. But it's connected to her, it's, and, and it it's connected to her somehow. That it's very obvious that she can make the class action go back on that if she can make them win the class action. Yeah, and she thinks that's the part. She thinks that's her. That's her key. Yeah, her, lev- it, her leverage, so and it to speak, isn't. Yeah. And I think what she's not understanding is her entire case is so small potatoes to Philip Price. Yeah. Right. It, it, Colby said it to him last season. You know, if they lose, big deal. They've already planned that ahead. Yeah, like, mm-hmm. they have the amount it would take to pay them off. They oh, have that on a rainy day fund. Mm-hmm. What's worse is they still plan on spending half of that in lawyers to just bog them down. Yeah. yeah. No, and here's the thing. A fan just asked, Patrick Wasoba said, whose side is Angela on? Because remember, she wanted this position at the end. Mm-hmm. She wanted an tw- uh, office on the 20th floor. She yeah. wanted Melissa's position. position. Yep. I, is she falling? Is she being on, seduced? She is on her side. And I think all people eventually wind up picking their side. Your side isn't necessarily one of two choices. Darwinism. That she's choosing... She's choosing to be the greatest good she can possibly be, even if it means some bad. Even if she destroys two dudes' lives, even if she works for a company that's destroying more lives, if she can do good, and I think she must have run that equation in her head that moving up in this company, being her, would allow her to do more good than any other possibility. I want to say that that's her basic motivation, I wouldn't be surprised if she makes it to the 20th floor and then pulls yeah. out a rug and's like, by the way, boom, bitches. By the yeah. way, here's the consumer key, Elliot. Yeah. You think, think that's think? Twitter. That's I, I a... kind of took it as her motivation was somewhat more of revenge. You know, like mm. she lost um, um, her mother in this, this entire ordeal. The situation with her father that, you know, caused that whole thing to, to crash. And. I think that at this point she feels very isolated. Like she doesn't feel like she has a lot of supporters behind her. I mean, Elliot's MIA. She hasn't really seen or talked to Darlene. And so 
at this point, I think it's about her just trying to steal back the happiness, trying to steal back what she feels like she's owed because of mm-hmm. everything that's happened to her, especially with Evil Corp and, and them essentially destroying a huge part of her life. I think that she's just now in a position where she feels like I can actually take back some of that power that was taken away from me and that I lost. And I mean, I think that it's getting muddied a bit mm, for sure. Mm. I think that she's starting to to grow interests that are very similar to people in Evil Corp. Like you said, it's just it's about her own survival and, you know, her doing what's in, within her own best interest. But I think it's a part of her getting revenge and sort of avenging what happened to her her family and mm-hmm. to to her herself too because a lot of she doesn't really touch too too much about that it's a lot of like that wall that's put up and we don't really get that real emotion from her and seeing that vulnerability it's just like i gotta be hard i gotta get what i want you know the motivation speaking i gotta you know i'm i'm powerful i'm strong i'm in control that type of thing um so i think that this is is more so about just her standing up to these big wigs and saying like I'm going to take what I want from you and you're not going to have it your way. This is going to be my way this it, time. But it's proving harder than she thought. You of know? course. Of course. It's never going to be easy. But you I know, think that's what she's trying to accomplish. I want to piggyback on that on uh, vulnerability. I have yet, once again, every week, I'm waiting to see that chink in Price's armor. Mm-hmm. Well, I think we saw it a little tiny bit really? with this discussion with White Rose. I mean, I don't know if he was alluding specifically to Angela, but he seems very desperate to, to, I mean, I think I think that, I mean, he says it himself. Like he's being pressured to resign. So, but he doesn't seem he wants a long game. But he doesn't seem flustered by mm-hmm. like he's literally talking well, about not but completely. He's, but he's I mean, talking about there. The, but he's talking about like oh they want me to resign in the same tone that he would talk about like yeah I got a nasty email once. Like it's this seems like Tuesday to him. But it's important enough for him to talk to White Rose about it. So I think that there's something there. And obviously he's putting on a good poker face. But I think that there there is a connection there with Angela that's very obvious. He's trying not to make it obvious to her. But I do think that there is a tiny little bit of of panic. I think he's stretching it out because he has a long game. And and I think he can, you know, he's he's kind of strategized a little bit better than Angela has. To play devil's advocate with Phil Price talking to White Rose, which is where we are. We're moving down the line. Um he said her shows like this like to play that game a lot mm-hmm. where he I says know. her in but episode four and the her is clearly Angela in episode four but in episode seven we realized the her is absolutely Maybe Darlene yeah. we just didn't know it episode four <laughs> true right. I thought about that, that too does anyone yeah. see that happening I thought about that I was like okay they could be talking about Angela but they could be talking about Darlene or the FBI agent or somebody or else or Joanna because remember he said last season they know who's behind it all. Yeah. Mm. So this is all just developing. However, White Rose wants a quicker resolution. And to me, I mean, Price wants to introduce an e-coin, right? Mm-hmm. He wants to, it's, but it sounds like to me, White Rose wants to introduce maybe a different type of cryptocurrency. That's, it sounds like that because yeah. that's phase two. He wants, he's not having you. He, he wants it to be faster and he wants to escalate. He wants to, what is it to cook up the pressure, to bring up the yeah. pressure, bring yeah. up the heat. Because of time. Well, yeah. But what is that going to be? It's going to be like Bitcoin, which, by the way, guys... No, no, what I mean is what's going to cause it to lead that? You know, is there going to be some sort of terrorist act? What is it going to... That's what I'm wondering. Another layer. It's not going to be that easy. You know, we... They already... The hack happened, but what's going to cause the the panic? I see what you... That what causes the panic that everybody rushes every bank. Mm. That is... Because E-Corp is one giant corporation in this world, but it's not just E-Corp. It's and it's they claim it's a domino effect, but what's happening within the dominoes is you in the show you actually only saw the dominoes as they're presented to you, yeah. And whatever White Rose and Phil Price are involved in seems to be a part of something we don't actually know yet. And the dominoes are actually probably a reverse iceberg. Well, whatever it is, I'm sure it's the second timeline that he refers to to his uh, I guess lover slash. Um, White Rose, he refers to, you know, the guy who comes mm-hmm. in and his liaison. His liaison, yeah. yeah. He says, I think we need to push forward with the second timeline. So mm. that could possibly be it. But that's interesting. And, you know, it's, it's really fascinating just how, because White Rose and the Dark Army, they were behind <laughs> this entire hack. So it's just seeing him talk to. But Phil Price Philip knows Price, this too. You think he knows that, or who F Society is and. 
I think Philip Price knows that whatever White Rose is, whatever White Rose and everyone else is involved in, they know, like, because it's well known that, this I'm talking in circles, White Rose knows that it was F Society. Philip Price trusts White Rose and what White, what White Rose represents. Well, of course so White Rose So he knows... knows and he, Phil Price has never once tried to figure out or even care who hacked E Corp. Yeah. I don't know if he knows that it's because it's F Society or it's because he does not care because he knows that White Rose knows. Mm, yeah. It's but, uh, but why micromanaging. Does, but he why doesn't, doesn't he care? Because if he's at the head of E Corp, this because is he doesn't, Because mm-hmm. head of E Corp isn't actually the top. The top is whatever. The top is whoever he gets only three minutes on the phone with. That there's something more that we're still not seeing. Guys, it's so so the, heavy. So, so bu- here, class, the bourgeoisie, actually. Also, chess. Also, chess. The the reoccurring theme of one versus another in a very mental move by move game. Yeah. We saw that with Angela and Philip. We saw that with obviously with Elliot, and Mr. Robot. We, to a White certain Rose extent, and Philip Price, yeah, Joanna and uh, yeah, Scott. and to a certain extent, we're seeing that was Joanna and like everybody. Yeah, no, seriously. Here's a fun fact that you guys were talking about the White Rose scene, and here I, it was talked about. I think in another uh, another like little podcast as well that when they were shooting that scene with Price and White Rose on the outside of the house, that's where they were filming the careful massacre of the bourgeoisie. Really? Yes, wow. it was a one day shoot, eight minute <laughs> film, same time. That's little, funny. F- little fun fact. I think it was Cora Ardana, one of the like writer tech mm-hmm. guys of the show. So that's guilty birds, fun stuff. Yeah, they know a, how to knock it out. I like that. Mm-hmm. Second, have set. Well, because if it's gonna, that's something you would do with second unit. Yeah. Yeah. The second unit would shoot the the short film that would show up on the screen for like three seconds, but is super important. Yeah. Um, how do we feel about Joanna this week? I actually really liked this arc that we saw in her, and I don't. I'm trying to process or I guess figure out and analyze why because if it's in connection to Tyrell which even still his role within all of this is still very murky but I think it was just great to kind of because before this particular scene I just I didn't really humanize Joanna as much Mm. I just kind of saw her as just this you know Really like selfish, um, indulgent character who's just all to a certain extent. very like cold blooded, very, very icy. You know, n- not as much depth. It's just like I want a lot of money, I want a lot of power, and that's that's what I'm turned on by. And I, just somebody who was more concerned with her own self interests. And in this, you you kind of see that. I think what the sentiment that a lot of people in in kind of the bourgeoisie uh, class society feel. It's like I'm I'm over it. This is not real and this is not real in so many different facets like this money is not real this lifestyle is not real these human interactions they're not real at the end of the day i want to experience something real and 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 for the first time i felt like she was coming out of that you know just box of just being in a numbing state where you just sort of do these things because that's that's a part of what your class is and that's what you're born in to do and she actually like had a really touching moment where she's like, "No, like I, I, I don't want you to be anything but what you are. And even if that's that's not what I'm used to, that's not what I'm accustomed to. Like you are the most real person that mm. I've ever known. You were pretty much the only person I've ever loved, ever actually had a real connection with. And I thought that that was that was great because it it just gives a different take on a character who we thought couldn't really have those connections. But how can you trust the character? And I love that you, your perspective on it. And I think I may be in the minority of this. I think it just reinforces who she's always been. To me, she seems like is this volatile character that will do anything for her pursuits, like anything. Lie, cheat, steal, murder, whatever she needs to do. And I love that you picked up that fact when with her boyfriend that she's in love with him after a month of the disappearance of Terrell. Yeah. So that makes me question that. And the fact that, you know, she... What is her purpose with the parking attendant? The guy they want to keep, you know, his mouth shut. Mm. Yeah. You know, to she's defending Terrell there. When she's with Knowles, she's ready to throw him under the bus. Yeah. So is 
I think it's it's the same type of situation. Well, similar situation with Angela. It's it's survival of the fittest. This is this is pretty much probably the only life she's ever known. So when when this is all you know, and it's kind of like the grass is greener on the other side. It's the outside looking in. So I'm sure for her, yes, of course. I'm not saying that this was her moment where now she's just going to try and be, you know, a player for the good, and she's going to try and and bring down the establishment. I don't think that that's going to be the situation mm. at all. But I think for a second, we kind of got a core of who she really wants to be. And maybe her contemplating, can I have that life? Mm. Can we just go away and walk away from this? And can I be free of of this, of whatever situation she feels like she's trapped in? But ultimately, I think that she's just going to stay because this is all she knows. This is what's comfortable to her. Because it's who she is. It's who she is. Not who she's trying to be. Exactly. But she still wants that. You yeah. know? And it's a situation where people who have everything, they still want more than everything. So So that she kind of found a she kind of found an even ground here where it's like maybe yeah. this is it. Because that is a that is a thing a human eventually has to figure mm-hmm. out. Just when it comes to happiness and life and pursuits, where it's like maybe this is it. It's tying into the whole theme of the show of of the episode is acceptance. Yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, with Elliot and everything, and that's what I once again love about the show. It's always on a micro macro level. <laughs> the title, yeah, the themes, everything exactly ties in. Ugh. Brilliant. So good. Uh, what are your thoughts? Okay, oh, we're, so we're here on Joanna because we've never given we haven't given her as much shine this season. We always run out of time. Joanna, so. yeah. Joanna always. I, ne- I never had a good gr- grasp on Joanna this show mm-hmm. because what we're talking about is like somebody who always, like somebody who always puts himself in a box and finds a routine, but then all like I say weird sex stuff, but it's very specific BDSM stuff mm-hmm. that is very like advanced, mm-hmm. or at least appears very advanced to me. That that's something that she's been doing a very long time. Beyond that, being just her regular. Her regular like state. Turn on, yeah. Her regular state is as if like that's her escape from the box. Yeah. So that it's only fitting that the guy she now does that with, she escapes the box with, or might escape the box with, Mm -hmm. if she can get Tyrell Severance, who it looks like she won't, because vengeance is vengeance is what is wanted, not vengeance on like her and the kid instead of a presumably dead Tyrell. Right for killing someone's wife. No parachute. No Sorry. parachute. Yeah. No parachute. Um, I would love to see her origins. You know, like yeah. her her backstory. Well, I think we got to find out where Tyrell is right, to first. get there. Yeah. Right. right. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. That guy. We've got Excuse a long me. way. We've got I think <laughs> seven episodes in six weeks to do. Yeah. And they all seem to be over sixty minute timelines. I yeah. know. Um, Actually, there's a good some good. I, I think it's bad news, but. According to Sam Esmail, it's good news because he apologizes for the long episodes. He said next week will be a shorter episode, which I think I'm like, I, I want. That that's a bad thing. I that's like funny. The, like I, what I like is that USA is putting him on at ten o'clock mm-hmm. and saying, take however long you want. There's we have nothing on it. At, like I think there's a SVU marathon that starts at eleven that can start at eleven twenty, eleven thirty, eleven thirty two. Yeah, take however long you want every week. Because USA, as a network, seems, especially with this show, to want a Netflix-style, auteur-driven, let-him-do-what-he-wants show. Yeah. And if he says the F- and then if he writes people to say the F-bomb, like, eight times, he's got to bleep that. Yeah. So what are your thoughts? Okay, what do you guys think comparing season one and two so far? Is it too early to say, do we see any differences? Are, are we happy with what we're seeing? Definitely Com- happy with what I'm seeing. I will say, yeah, I'm not going to compare them yet. Okay. Not yet. We'll come back. We'll revisit that one. Yes. All right. It's hard to compare, but I think I like that in each season, because at first I was like, okay, well, now that we know that Mr. Robot isn't real, like, where can we really go? But I like that with this season, I'm seeing, okay, there's so much Mm. more that we can do with it. And very similar to season one, which, you know, we can kind of get into a little bit later. Now there's a whole nother mystery of is he, isn't he? type situation going on in this season mm-hmm. that's kind of like taking up a lot of the discussion or, you know, it's kind of fueling a lot of the episodes and having people like, hmm, I wonder, um, you know, as to whether or not 
you know, and we'll, we'll, we'll mm, talk yeah. about it. But, but I think that that's great that, you know, in some cases, you know, in a lesser show, they would try to like really stretch out this, this narrative for as long as they could, but he's really taken it and he's spent it in a way. And, you know, talking about, you know, um, just acceptance, like, we can now accept that Mr. Robot is going to be on the show, that he's going <laughs> to be a huge part of Elliot's life, and it actually might turn out to be a better thing than, uh, you know, a, yeah. a non-good thing. Um, so we're going to jump into Elliot, Mr. Robot, Ray. We, I love Ray on this show. I love Craig Robinson on this show as yes. Ray. I love everything about it. Um, just a brief aside, what do we think his website does? Oh. So he needs stuff migrated to yeah. his to his site, right? Because basically, are we talking Ron's coffee again? I don't think so. No, I don't think so. Uh, I think it might. No, be. I no, I yeah, really don't. Like, I really don't. But just some. It's just, bad stuff. Mm-hmm. It's bad stuff. Like that, you have to really trust who you're hiring to migrate the stuff. Mm-hmm. That I. Uh, and I, I, I want to say, say maybe it's. Brides. Oh. Um, it's either something really good or really bad. He's either like really they're bad. either Nigerian brides. Or it's saving kids in Nigeria. That's my prediction. Think, What's your Twitter I don't handle? Think it's, yeah, <laughs> right. I know, right? Send your Hash, mail. Hashtag, <laughs> hashtag Nigerian brides. No, I don't think it's. I, I think it it will tie into, and it may not be even that, but I think that it's definitely going to tie into something that is happening on the show. And <sighs> do you think it's that neat? I, I'm I'm on the fence. I, I sometimes I want to say that you know it'd be a nice bow. And I want to say in the universe. I w- it may not tie in. You know, all neatly, but I think there will be some connection. I think there'll be characters that are connected. Like maybe if it's something that's in connection to, I don't know, Operation Berenstein. Well, do you think it'd be a tie into, let's say, Fernando Vera from last, something like that? Very true. Very true. That'd be a great way to bring it back in and and bring it back all together. But I do think that it is going to connect us to another point in season one where we kind of left off and that'll bring about something but I, I don't think that it's like oh he's connected to white rose and for the price mm-hmm. and all that. i don't think it's that simple but i don't think that it's irrelevant either i think it's, it's definitely going to be pertinent because i mean the way that they set it up too like he specifically says you know don't go looking where you yeah, don't like, need to look people, like that would be yeah like people who sell weed to like people who sell weed through an arizona ip aren't that protective weed's legal in arizona right i don't know if i made that up or not <laughs> Um, but people like something simple like that, that like, oh, well, that's like a small time drug dealer thing. And mm-hmm. I was like, well, that's not interesting. They would yeah. never do this. Mm-hmm. Right. That it's in major. my mind, it's something huge, yeah. either good or bad. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if it was something good, but incredibly illegal. Like if he was bringing refugees back into the country or he was or he was trying to similar to what our society's doing, like and what Occupy Wall Street what, is actually doing, which is like writing off people's debt. Where they'll they'll go to a debt collector and buy the debt mm-hmm. on pennies on the dollar. John Oliver did this as well. Yeah, and then you buy the debt pennies on the dollar, and then you send everyone a letter saying, "Don't worry about it." Like mm-hmm. I would something like that, like something that good but incredibly illegal on a massive scale. Maybe I don't. Know. I we're getting tied yeah, up. It's... We're getting tied up on that. Yeah, because I wanted to take a step back. Why I know because they have similar backgrounds because of they talk to people themselves. But why did Elliot trust El- uh, Ray? Why? Why did he befriend him so easily compared to, you know? Because Elliot's a, he's not a very warm and fuzzy guy. Mm. You know, I don't know how he just like decided to. You know, he didn't give Krista any of this information, but he gives it to Ray. He starts opening. He opens up more to Ray. Well, first of all, I think that Krista is kind of more on the defensive, and she may not mean to come off that way. But in their sessions, she seems very guarded, rightfully so, after everything that's happened um, in their relationship. I think she seems a little bit more guarded, a little bit more accusatory, a little bit more judgmental in some ways. And with Ray, I think from jump, he kind of came off as like, what you're experiencing, it's not abnormal. Mm-hmm. And in, in fact, you mm-hmm. should embrace what you're experiencing. So I think uh, in some ways, he kind of validates Elliot as much as he doesn't want to legitimize it and validate it. He does, kind of gives him that, that comfortability of... Do we think that's a healthy thing for him to do? I mean, whether it is to or not, help. I think that it's it helped to yeah. open up that that it, wall and it helped, allow him in. It helped for Ray to make Elliot do what Elliot, of what course. Ray wanted Elliot, and maybe to do. that was the purpose all along. And I think because this this theme of the the schizophrenic or prophet comes up a lot in a show that Sam Asmel really likes and Damon Lindelof really likes. This show called The Leftovers that I cover here at AfterBuzz TV, and we spoke greatly about a character who sees things. 
it could be a shaman or a prophet or it could just be mental illness. No one's actually sure. And historically, we're never sure. I kind of have a theory that like the prophets and shamans we understand might just be like mentally ill people that were taken advantage of and had their strings pulled by people who understand that they're mentally ill people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So there might be something to be said about Ray and possibly Darlene understanding yeah. and taking advantage of Elliot's situation. Of course, of course, which is why I'm less inclined to believe that what Ray is doing is <laughs> good. You know what I mean? Fair enough. It's because yeah. I think he has, I don't think he knows that Elliot's behind the hack, but I think he's very well aware of Elliot's capabilities. And I think that to an extent, just based on how he's seen him have conversations with himself about, you know, what's happening and Darlene and all of that stuff. So I think he kind of knows like where Elliot's mind is as far as like wanting to help people and, doing all of that so i think if he came from it from that perspective like hey i'm actually trying to do something good and Mm. you can use this ability to actually help me i think that maybe that would have resonated with him a little bit more but for the fact that he is being so manipulative and not really sharing what is going on that's that's what leads me to believe that it is something I don't know. Uh, I didn't know Craig Robinson could be so good at being bad. I, I just enjoyed, I, I've always had a lot of faith in him as an actor. Like he yeah. always he always struck me as I don't want to say underutilized, but he could do a lot more than comedy and I'm happy. He's just playing like a because he always played like a very grounded mm-hmm. yeah, regular character. person. Mm-hmm. Right. And there are plenty of those in all walks of life. And it's good to finally see him in just a pretty straightforward drama where he's not he's not intentionally funny in any way. Yeah. Elliot at the terminal reconnects with Darlene mm. on their private channel they've been using that they only use in the case of emergencies and he finds out what Darlene knows about that the FBI might have made them all dark armies worried this operation Berenstein that Romero was operation Berenstein. Okay, break this down yeah. all right. please um I know my ears weren't the only ones who pricked up when I heard that they could have named an operation in this show anything and they named it operation Berenstein for those of you unaware, the Bernstein Bears mm-hmm. were a famous children's book yes. that some of us remembered as the Bernstein Bears. Mm-hmm. Others, re- others remembered it as something else. And it's an example of something people remember at, or people call the Mandela Effect, which is people remember Nelson Mandela dying in his jail cell, which was not true. He got out of jail. Morgan Freeman played him in a movie, and then he died. Yeah. But people misremember, and there's two theories. The more prevailing theory is that your brain kind of pieces together the parts that it doesn't actually remember. Your memory does. It creates a story. And it creates the story that it thinks, and most of us have a shared story that it's, no, no, it's absolutely the Bernstein Bears. No, it's the Berenstein Bears. And the more fun, the more fun of the two is that there's an alternate reality that Trekions, which is a element that only exists between both of those realities has access to and that the Trachians have something to do with the Bernstein Bears books. I know, right? So when I heard the Bernstein the Bernstein report, I immediately was like, so are we going are we are we on meta? Yeah, right. (laughs) We go in we go in alternate reality? Because that's something I also talk about on the leftovers. Are there two? Are there dueling realities? Is that's what's on the other side of this white rose reverse um, iceberg that I'm talking about? Perfect. Thank you. And Esmail is not shy about that because look at his film Comet. You're yeah. dealing with the parallel universes and whatnot, so he's not shy about that. Yeah. So looks like we're we're going down the rabbit hole, y'all. Um. So he's gonna hack the FBI, yeah. and that's what we're gonna see next week. Mm-hmm. I'm about to ask everyone what they think. He'll find when he hacks the FBI, but that's next week, yeah. which is predictions. Thank you. And now, you're after Buzz TV. Predictions. Now we've had the bumper, I can properly ask, what do we think we'll find in the FBI? I'm a nerd, and I memorize freeze frame stuff. Yes. Mm-hmm. And there's a picture with the, uh, there's a clip, it lasts for a tenth of a second, if that. Wonderful. And it's the FBI, and it looks like there's a gentleman, you know, there's there's an African-American woman that was at the Fun Society, and she was part of the FBI team. Mm. And I saw that in the clip. You see her to the left of the screen, and you see two men not facing the screen, and one looks like the same stocky kind of build of White Rose when he is a man. 
So you see the FBI with white. You can go back and okay. freeze frame it. And, All right. And I don't know. I can't, you just see the backs of them, but you can. I can make out BD Wong quite a bit. You know. And, I'm done telling you right now. All right. All right. I just <laughs> okay. saw that. I'm just saying that. Okay. So. Denzel Washington, everybody, thank you. Um, you know, it's really, really hard to say. I. I actually think it would be too easy for him to uncover everything that's going to be. Of course, of not. course. So I think that he might find little snippets of what is actually going on. But I actually think he might. Okay, because again, you know, the theory we've been hearing is that he is not actually in the real reality he's in, but he's either in a prison or a mental institution, mm-hmm. alternate reality. So I think that he might get a little bit distracted and I think he might use his opportunity on the computer or FBI to try and figure out a way out. So that's, that's my biggest prediction. I'm not, I'm not entirely sure if that is what will, will lead to, but I think it would be too soon to, to basically like crack open everything. So I I think that there might be a little bit of distraction and he'll move into something else. I think season two is way too early to, um, essentially put us in a giant snow globe yeah for those of you who know the the tv trope that i'm talking about that it's like no he's been in a mental institution for the last five episodes like i think a lot of us wouldn't be very happy with that i do i do think he's going to hack the fbi i do think the fbi is going to find out about it i don't think the fbi as an organization that he can hack and research has anything (laughs) i think it's the cia or some other type of clandestine organization run by white rose and what I'm going to call the ruling class or the bourgeoisie that's actually running stuff that Philip Price reports to and isn't a part of. I like that. that I, like I think that. that's a big enough prediction. Yeah. That's, that's big. Mean. That's big, my friend. Um, so let in the, the fan, meantime, guys, yeah. please, if you would like to tell us what Your you think about this yes, show, because there's so many predictions. Out. I'm going to get a little more active on the Reddit threads this week. I was in Comic-Con last week and then yeah. dealing with a bunch of stuff. I'll be back on these Reddit threads. In the meantime, JC Rubio, where can the people find you? Here every Thursday night at 9 p.m., manning the chat roll, and I wanted to shout out the fans. Thank you so much, guys. Come here, let us know what you think, and in the meantime, follow me at JC Rubio TV all across the interwebs. All right, guys, my brain is fried, so <laughs> I'm getting out of here. Find me on Instagram, Twitter, Ashley underscore Chatman. Thanks for watching, and we'll see you next week. And you guys can find me on Twitter almost exclusively at Steve Kaufman. That is K A U F. M-A-N-N, this shirt courtesy of ProWrestlingTees.com. Also, my improv team, if you are in the Los Angeles area, we are in Harry Potter. We are the only improv Harry Potter team in the world, as far as I'm aware. Nice. Deathly Child, the, the J.K. Rowling sequel, will be in, will be released midnight this Saturday. We are playing the Barnes Noble at the Grove at, I believe, 8 or 9 p.m. Check my Twitter for that information. We are the show that shall on Twitter. Thank you so much, and good night. Stephen Lemieux rules. Yes. Executive producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff. We would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other after shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz, you later. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.